Welcome to the Optimalist Podcast, where we examine just what it takes to ensure humans flourish in the age of AI. I'm Sarah, your host through this exploration of mindfulness, attention, focus, happiness, and motivation, all elements of human flourishing. So how do we cultivate them? This week, I welcome Jonathan Medeiros to the show. Jonathan has been teaching and learning about language arts and rhetoric for 17 years with students on Kauai, where he was born and raised on a farm. He and his students learn about curiosity, community, and place. They build deeper connections to each other and the places they live by being curious about where they live, the stories of those places, and then following those curiosities. Jonathan is the former director of the Kauai Teacher Fellowship, a poet, essayist, and writes frequently about education, equity, and the power of curiosity. He believes that curiosity kills boredom, and that if you change all of your mistakes or regrets, you'd erase yourself. He walks, paddles, surfs, and builds, and enjoys spending time with his wife and daughters. Listen, as John and I discuss curiosity, of course, boredom, intentionality, and the idea of reciprocal responsibility. All this and more in my conversation with John. Have a listen. So, John, how are you? Uh (laughs) I am well. I'm very well. I'm sitting here just excited to talk story. Cool. Well, I wanted to ask you, being that we were kind of just getting connected ourselves, we've been like, quote unquote, connected for a little while, but we're getting acquainted. We've never spoken to each other before today, ladies and gentlemen, everybody listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's been a long time coming that John and I are jumping into a a fun conversation like this. So I'm wondering if you can tell us in any amount of detail that you'd like, what has influenced your path right up until what you're doing today, the seat that you're sitting in right now? What has influenced you? Um. (laughs) <laughs> so I, if that's like so many things, I, the first thing I always think of is my, my current, my wife, my partner, I was, I had almost, I had no plans to be a teacher <laughs> and I met, I met this awesome person when I was working in an intellectual property uh, law firm as a, as a law research assistant for these people who were geeking out about property that exists in your brain. Um <laughs> Anyway, she she was like, hey, we spent a year walking around the city. That's the way we got to know each other. Literally every day we would just walk. And she had always planned on becoming a teacher and said, hey, I'm moving away to go back to grad school. And there was like an ellipsis at the end of her sentence Mm. that was kind of like, so if you want to keep hanging out with me, I love it. So I basically went to I followed her to school and um, I love learning i i'm i'm naturally a curious person I, I don't know if i'm naturally a curious person i think i was taught to be curious by my father so i've always loved learning and I, w- I was like cool i'll go learn about that and plus i get to hang out with aaron more um so those were like the first steps to you know that was like 18 or 20 years ago oh wow um, so i hope this is that's a long story i don't know how how far i should how many steps i should Walk us through till well, I, I got to this chair. We can. <laughs> I love a guest that takes my words exactly the way <laughs> they come out of my mouth. Well, why don't we zip forward a little bit and yeah. think about? Uh, and I know, I know some some things about your work from what I have followed online and what you've told me. But 
everything that I do know seems to be um, wrapped up into these, you know, kind of wrapped it wrapped up and related to to each other. Like you do a lot yeah. of things that are intentionally connected, or you're drawn to a lot of work and projects and viewpoints that are connected. And uh-huh. you're also a writer, and so maybe you want to just give us a little bit of insight into what what makes up your world right now. What what influences yeah. what, the choices that you make in what you work on and how you do it. So. Uh, no problem. So I, I really have over the 17 years that I've been in the classroom kind of Chris like kept sharpening and focusing in my work to where I am now and to this like hyper simplistic viewpoint on learning. And basically right now, I really want my students to practice curiosity about where they happen to be and about the people that they happen to be with. So like that's the foundation of my class, but it's also the foundation of how I think I should live and how my family and my daughters should live. We should be curious about this place that we happen to live in, and we should interrogate the privilege that allows us to be here and uncover the stories that are buried in this place and hidden underneath the various layers of um, you know, settler colonialism and the different oh. names that have erased the different stories. Anyway, so that idea is really foundational to this class. So in my class with my students, we practice that curiosity and we literally ask those kinds of questions like, where are we? What's the name of this place? What does that name mean? Who named it that? And we kind of s- surround that I- investigation or that um, curiosity with various voices and various texts and we listen to the conversations that other people are having through their writing when people have come you know people have conversations across time about various topics and i try to connect my students to those conversations so we first eavesdrop on them and then we end by their participating in the conversations as well there are so many things that you're saying i'm like feverishly writing down (laughs) like one word phrases because i can't possibly take notes fast enough (laughs) for things that i want to I already came in with things I wanted to ask. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I want to jump to that instead as you're talking. So, um, but I, first of all, love that you open with the center of everything being just this one word of curiosity. And I think that it's, um, if we, if we start with that one word, that one idea, the curiosity that you speak of is not just of, or at least I think it becomes, right? Not just of, everything that's around us but also what is within us and then Uh the other human beings that are around us uh, you know not just not just looking back at ancestors but people that we intentionally choose to be around um and i think that there's an interconnectedness that you are cultivating through this path of curiosity is that right yes that's exactly right i i feel like when we do that kind of curious or when we act curious in that way we either see the connections that are there or we start to build we start to strengthen connections that maybe were there right or or we develop those connections even more and and then that builds empathy and that builds a sense of responsibility to each other hopefully um and so i'm gonna quote you <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm gonna quote you from um well, everybody listening will have already heard this when you hear this full episode, but 
you made a statement in your biography that you um, so wonderfully wrote out for me that you, one of your beliefs is that curiosity kills boredom or destroys yeah. boredom. And yeah. then I kind of was typing some notes earlier and I wrote a little question to myself next to it to ask you, like, can anything kill curiosity? However, then I remembered part of it, it sparked something in my brain that it was like a Dorothy Parker quote. And then I went yeah. and found the full quote. And so Dorothy Parker's full quote was the cure for boredom is curiosity, but there's no cure for curiosity. And I just yeah. wanted to kind of open you up to maybe uh, exploring a little bit about what it is, you know, this idea of boredom and what causes yeah. people to jump into or spring forward into not just accepting mediocrity or what's there or what's yeah. given to you and and um, being being inspired, I guess, to go to to move forward into a curious mindset. And, yeah. and that's really where everything starts. And, and how do we do that? I love the idea of curiosity as uncurable. Once, once, you, once you are infected with it, it's Ugh. there. Um, but I do think there's an intentionality to that, to boredom. And like, I, another, I've been a, kind of obsessed with this. Another quote, which is less positive, that's on my board. It's forever. It comes from a Harvey Danger song, actually. <laughs> uh, if you're bored, then you're boring is another way of framing that and that's on my board and it eventually sinks into students and they realize like oh there's a choice here i'm bored but i'm choosing to not interact with the thing that we're doing or to not interact yes. with the human that's next to me so that's where i start from that boredom is a choice we're never gonna some i mean i shouldn't say never we're often in situations where we didn't choose to be there or we didn't choose to do this activity but i'm not gonna I'm not going to let that moment like be stolen from me or wasted. I'm going to choose to be curious about it because I don't want to waste a minute or an hour of my life or let somebody else steal it from me. Right. Right. Um, so we talk about that in class. I talk about that choice. Like the first step is like you have to pretend that you care about this thing. And then yes. eventually, like the quote you read, uh -huh. I think eventually you actually do care. The curiosity kind of starts to burn and then you want to know something else. Yeah. And so I'm going to interject one second because you're you're kind of echoing a lot of core beliefs on the focusable team that we have um, and a lot of our optimalist community by extension. This idea that interest doesn't always have to precede curiosity. Um, uh -huh. And that right. right, we don't have to. We don't have to only follow things that we innately feel drawn to, because we're going to right. find we find these. In fact, uh, you might even agree that boredom is super useful. Like we need it, right? <laughs> right, not just curiosity, but for creativity by extension. Yeah, right. We need those. We need times where our mind is is idle. Right. Uh, otherwise, it's not searching and. And, and looking for something something more beyond the ordinary. Well, I think I think sometimes that's what happens with people is there's a discomfort in that moment, you know, like letting yourself just be and and then having to sit with your own brain. Yeah. For some people it feels uncomfortable. And so we numb that with, you know, meaning whatever, going on to scrolling through TikTok or something. Mm -hmm. Um because I can't I can't stand to just be analog and to just sit like the universal we like we, we yes. all yes yeah humans yeah uh, so I think it, it's sometimes we have to be okay with that like discomfort right uh, 
I'm going to be by myself for a second. I know I don't need to numb my brain with this thing. And hopefully that boredom, it does like let your brain wander and then lead to something else. I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, this is what you're describing there is where things like the great myth of multitasking come about. I mean, even if we think of our our leisure time, people will now watch a film even like with their family but everyone's on their phone too. everyone's on their phone or yeah. by yourself you'll put put tv on yourself and it becomes like if someone were to peek into your house at that moment they would see you looking like you're relaxing at, at, in the evening after yeah. uh, after a day of working but you have a tv on and a phone in your hand and your laptop yeah. open next to you but then you could switch contacts and you know I could be out walking my my two dogs in the woods and you can bet I either have a podcast on or uh-huh. I'm catching up on like five texts from earlier. Like, yeah. So this I, even that is this idea of I'm not letting myself be right in that present present moment. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I need to fill that with something. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's something there. You can't there's something useful about that, too, though. Right. Like I'm going to go on a walk and listen to this podcast because I'm curious about this thing and I want to mm-hmm. keep learning. But. But yes, it can become too much, I think, or we can become too reliant on those kinds of crutches. That's why I love being in the ocean, because I can't take anything out there. Yes, that is true. That's a great that's a great idea. And yeah, there was like, I think it maybe it was like a year and a half ago or so. I used to be someone that if you asked me how many different podcasts do you listen to, like different shows, like, I mean, I was listening to like 10 shows a week. And um, I know all the dates that things come out. And and, and then yeah. at one point, my brain just got overloaded because what happens is if you are listening to that much, you know, that's not the only thing I'm listening to. Yeah. Um, but I'm filling every moment. I'm folding laundry. I'm listening to something. Yeah. You know, I'm doing and and I love like doing certain tasks and listening to stuff. But when there's never silence and never any time for anything else, like I'm not creating anything. Uh-huh. And so even cutting uh-huh. that in half allows me, uh, you know, I get to the point where I'm like, I call myself a writer. I'm not writing anything. I'm just consuming. <laughs> I'm just consuming yeah, constantly. Right. And I might be curious about something I'm listening to. But in my mind, unless that curiosity is leading me to take action, where is it? It's remaining idle. And that's you're exactly right. And I think that's a really big part of the way I try to process the world and what I try to convince my students to do as well. So maybe we're curious and we seek that input and we 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 consume things to feed that curiosity. But then at some point we need to stop and then just process all of that. Right. And and with no other uh, for me, at least no real agenda except to process it. So I'll just sit down and write with no real end in mind, because that's one way that I figure out what do I think about any of this stuff that I just because otherwise it just disappears into the ether of my mind if I don't right. have that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, reflective writing is a really important part of this learning this thing I was talking about about curiosity earlier. So in in my class, that's a regular part of what we do. We have to stop and just write because um, it's part of thinking. Otherwise, we're not we're just like you said, it's not I'm not creating anything. I'm not going anywhere. Right. And you're, yeah, it's in making connections between all that stuff, I think is super important. Um, And then I know that a part of, a part of all of this is we've, we've mentioned a little bit 
being intentional, and I'm assuming that also goes hand in hand with mindfulness. Are there ways that you, other than what we've talked about so far, that you incorporate elements of mindfulness into your class, into your teaching, into your, even into your home life, like anything Uh that you want to share about how, how you make being mindful something that is, I think, super important to our mental health and sense of self. Well, when we were, when, when we first, this is now a couple of years in our rearview mirror, but when we first went into lockdown at the beginning of the pandemic, which I remember exactly was March 13th. 2020. My family and I, Kauai was a really big deal. The whole island was shut down. Yeah. Nobody was coming and going. And we were really not supposed to leave our houses for a long time. So as a family, we we took up a mindfulness practice or something we had already been doing, but kind of like exaggerated it. And at the end of every day, we would all sit together and have one thing to focus on. And it would change every day. Maybe it was like your favorite image from today a moment that happened to you or five minutes ago, whatever, you know, the name of your, the name of the street that you live on, it was different every time. Sometimes there was no real prompt. It was just today. And we'd have five to 10 minutes of just silence. And the four of us would sit there and write in our own way. My daughters at the time were seven and 10 or eight and 11. And we'd all write and then we'd read to each other. And we literally did that every day for six months and then it kind of slowed down and we would do it a couple times a week so that was an amazing just having like just deciding we talked about intentionality you you pick something every day we're going to do x and then you do it it doesn't have to be very long right Right. just a few minutes now we do some at the end at the end of every day we just take before we sit down and eat dinner we all just say what we're grateful for, which mm-hmm. I know is a very common, it sounds trite to some people, but it's another version of that. Like, let's just pause and be mindful of something from this day that made me feel grateful. Um, so that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. And that, that the gratefulness practice and for people who haven't um, tried it, it, it takes on an incredibly different meaning when you do it daily. Uh-huh. Right. Rather than a few times of year, you know, or it, at certain times of the week, it, when you when you do it daily, it's like uh, think of the, h- the hundreds of things that you have to pick. Right. Right. You know, yes, exactly. Hundreds of things. And they become commonplace things like the sun. <laughs> like, oh, to yeah. me, Like and they those those become the most transformational. Right. When you're it really yep. brings you to the exact place and moment in time that you are every day. Right. Um, and it's super grounding and also super good for, I think, building. It helps with like a habit of attention, really. You're paying attention. That exactly right. You are. It helps you pay attention. And I just love that phrase, by the way. I talk to my students about that often, that you have to pay it. It costs yes. you something, which is why it feels good when somebody pays attention to you because they are they're spending some of their attention on you. Which is why also that we feel so depleted when our attention That's is right. stolen, when right. it's taken from us. Yes, yes. Uh, it's super costly. And yes. I mean, it's the whole purpose of, of all of this work that I'm doing that we're doing with Focusable is getting people to be more mindful of the time that they spend and how how we're spending all of those minutes in, in one full day. Like, right. what, are, what are your routines or habits of attention? And we we spend so many of them without even thinking about it. This goes back to that intentionality. We 
when you look back, you realize, oh, damn, I, what did I spend all that on? But I love that you keep repeating the spending your attention because I've been trying even more so to replace the word time with attention. Like I, I wasn't wasting time. Like if I just say, oh, uh. an hour just went by, I, what was I doing? I wasn't really wasting the time. The time doesn't really exist. It's right. my attention that exists. Yeah. You know, where That's was my, you know, time yeah. is nothing. It, it's, right. you know, attention exists in me. Where were my, where were my eyeballs for those last for that. 20 minutes, 50 right. minutes? And that's where you really start to cultivate that self-awareness, right? It's not time's fault. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Anybody else's fault. Right. But yeah, that, that I think gives us a, a personal responsibility to it. And, and that itself is curiosity. Right. Yes, exactly. So I, I did want to just bring bring it back a little bit to going back up to the connection between all of these things. So I'm just going to list out a couple, a few of few of these elements that we've been chatting about, and that okay. I know that you um, have a deep interest in. So we're talking about mindfulness just now. You how the practice of reflective writing, that your connection to place. I think you were opening with at the beginning. Curiosity, of course, is bringing us to the center of this. And then a couple of things that I wanted to work towards the ending of our conversation on were the value of connection mm -hmm. between the self and others, um, and then connection to all these other things, of course, and then also the value of the process, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. I might be saying two things that are completely op not opposite, but different, and, you know, not really connected in your mind, but... Um, I know that these two things bring a lot together of what it is that you that you're thinking about um, yeah. in your work. So so maybe you could enlighten us a little bit about how important yeah. connection is in in your classroom and then also yeah. and also in life and, and the idea of focusing on the process, because I think that also has to do a lot with where we spend our attention. Yeah. OK, I can do that. Um, mm -hmm. I'll start with connection. It, and that is a big deal in 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 Hawaii. The, the word for connection is, is pilina, connectedness. And there's also an idea of a reciprocal responsibility to each other and to the places we live. So we're responsible for our places and the places are responsible for us too. We, it goes back and forth. That's called kuleana. Hmm. And I think what happens is students don't realize the the connections are there or their connections have frayed. They are not connected to their places because they don't know their places. So that, that, as I said earlier, that's kind of where the, that's kind of foundational to the class. We investigate where we are and who we're with so that we can figure out how we're connected. And then the next question is, what is my responsibility here to keep this connection healthy and strong? So by learn, I think by learning about each other, they start to realize like, oh, we're kind of like, you know, we have this in common. We don't have that in common. Maybe I can talk to you more. And, um, and my students echo this all the time. They just were talking about it yesterday. At the beginning of the school year, one thing I do to help with this kind of connectedness with each other is I randomly just put the kids into groups of five at the very first day of school. And I tell them, you didn't choose these groups. You wouldn't have chosen them. Your job is to figure out how to work together. And they often don't like it. It's difficult. But, uh -huh. I, but by the end of the year, they're repeatedly telling me that those are now their, some of their most interesting friends. 
we've realized that we all disagree or see the things differently, but it makes for such vibrant and interesting conversations when we're talking about XYZ. So throughout the year, they've built a connection with each other, with these different people that on campus, they typically would have just walked past. Right. Um, I hope I didn't veer too far afield no, keep on going. that. No, you're, you're making me think of our just ideas regarding like the loneliness epidemic and right. how we, we like to yeah. pretend that we're quote unquote connected through through just, the technology. Yeah. But yeah. when do we, when do we practice just that, that simple act that you just described your students practicing? Um, when do we do that with, with strangers on the internet? <laughs> right. We don't look at just looking somebody in the eyes and actually listening to them. And that's where the responsibility part comes in. So now you're my group member. I'm working with you. I'm talking with you. I'm building this relationship. Eventually they recognize that that response, what that responsibility extends past the classroom. I'm responsible for this connection now I when see. I see you outside, right? I should, now I talk to you there too. And those webs just get a tiny bit larger. And then hopefully something similar happens when we do that bigger in curiosity about the places we live. They become, they find connections to their communities, to yeah. the beaches, a place that they used to think, this is my favorite beach. After being curious about that place and its entire history for the last thousand years till now, they hopefully feel responsible for and connected to that place in a, in a different way. And maybe right. they take that, they take people there now and, or maybe they tell people about it and that's the way that they keep their connection strong and healthy or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But they, the point is they develop a different relationship with each other and with the places that they learn about. And the hope is that that cycle would continue, that they would pass that. Right, exactly. That and that goes and that goes to the other question you were talking asking me about of uh, the process being valuable. Mm -hmm. How do we get to any of this in um it's really just the through work that the valuable stuff is in the day-to-day -day work when we pay attention to what my partner is telling me. Uh -huh. I'm that's I'm changing in that moment yes. if I pay attention to it and if I value it. A lot of times the school system and life in general has kind of brainwashed people to think it's the end product that's valuable, the grade, the letter grade, the score, which is completely erroneous, right? There's no learning mm -hmm. in the letter grade, in the GPA, that there's no learning there. And it, um, John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats has a, has a colorful way of talking about it. He says that the end, the end product is a carcass. Yes. All the work leading up to it is where the where the learning was. Well, you've just made my week quoting mountain goats on, <laughs> on this episode. I, for, I forgot that there were a few other tidbits that we had in common. Yeah, <laughs> I love that, and that's perfect. Maybe the maybe I, we'll put a carcass on the cover. Of this episode. <laughs> nice. I don't know if that'll go over well, but we'll see if we can find a nice one. A nice one, <laughs> a yeah, pretty one. Um, well, is before we start to kind of move into our ending questions. Is there anything, anything from the conversation that we've had so far that you um, feel like you'd like to add to or that you want to highlight or stress for people who are looking to kind of get more of these elements into their own classrooms or even into their own home life? Anything that you want people to know about the way you've, you've kind of cultivated this work for yourself? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I think that it often sounds overly simple when I when I talk about this 
stuff. But I, I do feel like, you know, if you wanted to, if you were curious about making a change to your classroom, if you're a teacher or to your home life, like it, it really is as simple as deciding on some simple thing to pay attention to and then do that repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so in my classroom, as I've talked about, we do that repeated reflective writing. We value the change that happens while we sit quietly and write for five minutes. And that becomes a really important part of our day. And so that even just that, I think, is a good first step. Right. Um, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, and and I always add to that, like the patterns of your day ma- matter too, right? Like mm-hmm. getting used to when you do certain things. Um, oh, yeah. It, it helps you if you're someone who thinks that you don't spend your attention well. It helps to start by doing things at a certain time of day, I think. Right. You, you, that's exactly right. I'm all about my wife makes fun of me about this. I'm all about routines like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing, same time. And partially because it makes me feel comfortable. I, I get it. it yeah. My anxiety level goes up when I don't know exactly when something's going to happen. And that's a problem. I, I the way I the way I self-medicate is by setting up routines. <laughs> but in a classroom, I want my students to have as little anxiety as possible, right? I want mm-hmm. them to know what they're going to expect every day um, so that they can come in here with their guards down and ready to explore, explore. because mm-hmm. it is anxiety. It does. It's risky, right? To If you're not good, quote unquote, good at something, it feels risky to try. Mm-hmm. So I want to make it feel as safe as possible for the kids yeah. To take those risks, to try to be honest, because sometimes that doesn't feel great. Yeah. And especially since they're, you know, when they come into a classroom, they're coming into a group setting as well. So they're not yeah. each individually in control of how everything goes right. in their own way. So I think that those those kinds of, of boundaries are important to start while people are learning. So. Okay, I, I'm just I'm just really excited about how organically we talked about attention and used the phrase "pay attention." I'm so I'm so happy that you brought that up. Um, so so that's wonderful. And I uh, we're gonna bring up attention one more time before we end here. But right before we get to that, um, let's talk a little bit more about what it is that goes in and out of your brain on a regular basis. And can you can you give us an idea as as to what kinds of things you're reading, watching, listening to right now, or that are some of your favorite things? What yeah, what influences your world? I am always when I see that, what are you listening mm-hmm. to? Like, only only later did I realize, oh, I, I wonder if that was supposed to be about like podcasts. Oh, it but could be anything. I should have read that there. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I, li- I always think of music. I'm literally, yeah. I always listen to music. There's music in my head kind of constantly. And so I'm a voracious, I don't want to say consumer, but I, I want music all the time. Mm-hmm. So every morning I'm talking about routines. Every single morning I wake up at five, make a cup of coffee and I read Pitchfork magazine. Nice. And I just try to, you know, what are the new reviews? Who's out there? What? And I, and I just start playing snippets of music and I, well, that's cool. And I add it to my playlist and it kind of disappears into the 16 or 20,000 songs on my, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. On my thing. But then over time, some of those bubble up and I realize, oh, I've been listening to that song for five years. And only now in this moment, is it connecting on a conscious level? Mm-hmm. So recently, uh, this song called Birding 
made its way back into my brain by a a group called Sweatshop Boys. SWT. Nice. Anyway, I'm not trying to um probably it's it's just it's like a it's an entire song listing bird names and it blew my mind. I'm just obsessed with it at this moment. Um but all I mean just there's music all the time in my head. Cool. And I just finished an amazing book called Also a Poet. I, I read a ton of nonfiction mm-hmm. because of what I've been teaching. I used to be I have a master's in literature and that used to be my life. But I've almost read exclusively nonfiction now. And poetry, which I consider a primary source. Yep. But I read this Me book too. called Also a Poet by Ada Calhoun. I think you would love it, Sarah. I don't know if you've read that book. I have not. I'm writing it down. It's uh, kind of a technically a memoir, but it's really about her figuring out her father by going to a project that he left unfinished about the poet Frank O'Hara. Huh. Um, so the book is fascinating. It's just a it's a beautiful text, and it's um you know it's it's like kind of for me the kind of perfect nexus between poetry and and uh, nonfiction. I love that. So it's technically kind of like a memoir. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. She's yeah. so it's, she's or a, it's awesome. I, actually, I think she calls it a bio. Like it's it's weird. It's like a biography of her father, a biography okay. of Frank O'Hara, but it's a memoir of her life. It's also okay. a poetry review. You know, it's kind of everything. It sounds like we're at the Academy Awards and they're playing us Did off. Did you hear that? Like, yeah, yeah, I know. They're Sorry. like, it's time to go, guys. <laughs> That's okay. Cool. And anything that you're watching, you might not be a oh, watcher of stuff. Are you a watcher? My, my family and I, we, my daughter, just like me, has, she's obsessed with routines. So at, every night we have to watch a show as a family. That's in her head, mm-hmm. no matter what time it it's is. It's the same. And yeah. Right. So we run out of shows often and my wife and I don't always want to watch what she wants to watch. <laughs> we recently just binged the show Acapulco. Have you heard of this show? I have not. It, we all loved it. It's amazing. There's only two seasons, um, sadly. And that's what we just like literally last week. Mm-hmm. And we're sad because we're waiting for season three to drop. Um, Acapulco. <laughs> it's, a beautiful, it's like a great combination of kind of like sweet, and drama and comedy. It also has a little tinge of like um, Mexican soap opera to it. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Um, and I and this is one of the reasons I love asking these kinds of questions at the end, just because I think we do get a sense of um, something that you've spoken about throughout this entire conversation is also reflective in the things that you listen to and watch and and so on. And I think the curiosity element is and connectedness is definitely a yeah. through line through everything that you um you think about and and look at i think uh and so with that we're going to end with our question um what is a method for focusing or improving your attention that you find actually works for me i like as i think i alluded to earlier i like to go somewhere where i can't accidentally spend my attention on other things so like being in the water forces me to be completely present and in just that and all i can do is pay attention to the feeling of the water and the rise and fall of the swell and the feel of the wind and what the shore looks like and i know we all can't do that but if there's a way to slice away those other things that might steal our attention that's mm-hmm. what works for me to force myself into that and it's not much of a force because i love being in the water anyway right 
Yeah. And when you mentioned it earlier, I, I was thinking briefly, like, are there other environments or, that we can really do that? I think most other things we can we can kind of slip. We can right. slip something into our pocket. I know, right. <laughs> I know. If we really wanted to. But I mean, I at least just try to make a habit of uh, I, I do tons of walks because yeah. I because I have two like hunting dogs. So I'm always in the woods. But I try to do my morning and night walk without a phone. So I'm not listening right. to anything. So like, and that became a habit. So I've been doing right. that for years because it's a routine of like, and if one day I, I had to do it last week, one day last week, I had my phone with me on my morning walk and it felt so crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is wrong. This is weird. What's going it is on? morning. The sun is barely up. I'm supposed to be breathing the air. Why is my yeah. phone in my, why am I listening to this podcast? Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's the power of all, all of those things that we build for ourselves that once we know and feel that they're healthy and helping us cultivate good attention and healthy attention, when we, when we lose them or go off the then path, it feels, feels, you know it, you can feel it. And yeah. that's what yep. I want is I want more and more people to feel that that power um, that we yeah. all have within us, really. Yeah, you do have the power. And I think that's key. You can just kind of make that choice. I'm going to even just for a minute, I'm going to spend the first minute of this day. I hope hopefully it's more than a minute. But yeah, one minute, yeah. two minutes and build it up. Yeah, that's all you have to do. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad that we got to have our first conversation live in front of a thousand people. <laughs> Not really live, but <laughs> recorded um, for yeah. people to listen to later. And the last thing I'm going to ask you is if people would like to follow you or check out what you do or work on or say hi, would you like to share any of your social media? Do you have a website that they can check out? Sure, of course. Yeah, I, I am on Twitter at John Medeiros. And um, I, my website is jonathanmedeiros.com, mm-hmm. which is T-H-O-N. It okay. might be spelled somewhere. Um, and I, I, I don't update it. I keep my essays and poetry up there. And, mm-hmm. um, some of, some of my mindfulness writing is there too. I spent a oh, year nice. just writing about every time I touched the water, I wrote and that's, that that's up there too. So yeah, that's really beautiful. That's like, a, that is a real practice of attention right there it was a fun project yeah uh okay and uh, all of those links will be uh available for everybody to access in the show notes and as well as anything else that we talked about here today i think that's it all Uh, right thank you so much thank you sarah thanks for listening this week and thanks to john for taking the time to share a piece of his teaching journey and experience with us John is a great example of someone who is taking it upon himself to build a community of mindful students. Of course, I'm eager for your feedback and reactions as well. It's the best way to help the podcast grow in its purpose and to help us keep getting better at what we do. You can leave a comment on Substack, a review in Apple Podcasts, and you can reach me on Twitter at scandela9. You can listen and subscribe to the Optimalist podcast wherever you love listening to great podcasts. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and links to all of these resources are available in the show notes. The Optimalist Podcast is brought to you by Focusable, the only app that gives you the pulse you need for better attention. And it's free. Create an account today at getfocusable.com or by downloading Focusable on any iOS or Android device. You can also follow us at Get Focusable on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening to the Optimalist Podcast. I'll see you next week. Stay focused.